0: Hello, um, welcome to Julie Loves Television. I'm your host, Julie, and it's all about the television I love at the moment. So, really, my impetus to start this podcast is that I can't, I can't really find podcasts out there that talk about anything that I like. They all talk seem to talk about like the same five shows at the same time, and they're never really shows that I'm interested in. And I understand they're very like critically loved sort of shows, and of course, it's what critics love to talk about but it's just something i'm never interested in like currently i'm not really interested in watching succession um i tried watching the first episode just never really got into it it's not really the type of television i normally like watching i don't really consume a lot of hbo um i've tried watching like the early seasons of game of thrones once the new series came out but i got pretty far into it but i wasn't really never super into it like a lot of other programming Um, And so, this is just a way for me to um, be productive about my viewing experience. So, I'm not entirely sure what this is going to entirely be all the time, but it's obviously going to be what I'm watching during the week. Um, And some news tidbits about shows I'm potentially interested in watching, or just interesting news, or my thoughts on things in general. It's not generally only going to be about television because but it's because it's not all I consume I will maybe talk about occasionally like movies or books because I'm trying to get more into watching movies generally I live very close to movie theater I'm like you've got to get out more often Um, but I do like books and I don't really talk about them a ton and they're kind of hard to describe over like a listening experience in the same way because I it's kind of more personal reading, but I may talk about stuff I really enjoy. So, um, let's start giving you an idea of what kind of television I'm interested in. So, this week, I watched a few things. Um, I watched At Midnight on uh, Paramount Plus. It's a sh- uh, sh- Original to that platform, it's not something just migrated to it. Um, I don't really hear a lot of people talking about it. I saw lead actor Diego Bonetta on Whitney Cummings podcast, and I couldn't really get through it. But I generally like um, Diego Bonetta and stuff. I've seen um, The In Between on also on Paramount Plus. You'll see a pattern here because I'm really into trying to make use of my Paramount Plus subscription. Um. Next up, and we'll talk about another show from Paramount Plus that I haven't really heard anybody talk about is uh, *School Spirits*. That one starring Peyton List, who is also on *Cobra Kai*. And I will also talk about. I have one more thing. I think. Um, 1883. So I know that's one of those like critically beloved programs currently or no i guess it wasn't really clearly beloved but it's part of like the yellowstone series that a lot of critics really enjoyed and i thought i'd try something like kind of out of the realm for me for the week sort of i've seen the first couple of seasons of yellowstone i think it dropped off somewhere maybe in early season three um i just got tired of like the constant like high melodrama that tends to be on that show especially between jamie and what is her name i think it's when you play like, like kelly o'reilly or something like that beth that's what it is um but so those are the things we talking about this week and i will time stamp them down below if it's something you want to like watch with yourselves and um come back and listen to later so once again um I'll figure i talk about the reasons why I want to get into this, this type of podcast, um, mostly for my productivity of my viewing experience, because otherwise it'd be ridiculous how much I would watch. So, every single podcast talks about the same TV shows at the same time. There are tons of others, and they never really seem to talk about any of the others. But there's tons of TV that gets a lot of views, but they're just, like, never talked about on any pl- platform for any significant amount of time, or the regular viewing experience of a regular viewer, um, like, I'll watch something, get out of it, and come back to it, and come back to it later, or, um, like, way down the line, when, like, another season comes out, maybe, or something like that. So, and every episode, I will discuss the movies and TV shows that I watched that week, and all the things on my mind about watching television. So, um, I'll even talk about stuff that I've Watch before and started to rewatch because that's a large portion of my television viewing experience. Like today, I won't really talk about this in depth. I would not think unless I do like a full rewatch. But I saw like a clip somewhere about the stars. Like I don't know if you really want to call it anthology series because like, they're all like interconnected, but but they're not really the same actors so overlapping. Is like the White Queen. White Princess, Spanish Princess, like, historical, blah, blah, blah. I've watched bits and pieces of that, and I try. I watched a little bit of parts of a couple episodes of some of, like, the first ones, because you can get them for free on Amazon Prime. So, but I'll still so talk like that if I'm really into something, and into, into a rewatchy thing. That was more, like, bouncing around. And I think I discovered for the Spanish Princess, I think that's how I got into it, That the two lead actors who are playing Catherine Aragon and Henry VIII are actually dating each other. I'm like, that makes sense. They had, like, crazy good chemistry on that show. And you can kind of, like, tell. And even though that story is, like, um, super dark, it's just funny to, like, see that. I've only seen the first part of the first season of The Spanish Princess. I might get to the second season, even though I know how it'll go. So... Um, and I also talk about what I'm like looking forward to watching in the future, like I said earlier. Um but I'm because 'cause I'm like, I'm very much a procrastinator when it comes to watching television. Um I'll like avoid watching something for like a significant period of time until I'm like the buzz is over so I can truly enjoy something and maybe like get in on the talk with other people or I'm just delaying gratification and stuff because sometimes it feels like you get too hyped up and then you don't enjoy stuff as much so um so let's start talking through some of the news stories i found this week sorry the paper that i'm interested in in the future just to get out of the way i will be more organized with this section i this is more of a last minute ad for me to the podcast so i saw the new trailer for exo kitty come out the netflix series it's a um spin-off of to all the boys i've before film series i will link the um no well i don't know if i have enough room for this but if i can try you can go to youtube and look up look it up uh, i didn't really watch it because i don't also tend to love to watch trailers for a lot of things because i can I don't like to spoil in that way because sometimes you get too hyped up for what you're looking at and you know they're good at making trailers. So, let's see what is the description for this new show. A new to all the boys, a love before story begins with the, in the official trailer for EXO Kitty. Back for another adventure, this time her own. Kitty's song, Covey thinks she knows everything there is to know about love. Soon she'll realize that relationships are a lot more complicated when it's your own heart on the line. So, obviously, like I said, off of The Two All The Boys i Loved Before. I'm not entirely sure how to th- feel about it, but I'm kind of looking forward to it. I really enjoyed the first movie in the series, like everybody else. Like, the aesthetic and how comforting you got, a comforting feeling you got from it. Um, and the th- same third movie were been like, eh. And I think it's, like, I don't know if this is kind of, like, um... I say um a sign of the times when the lead actress cuts her hair for like a th- notable thing that's like a interesting aesthetic piece to a project it like throws everything off and and I just think it's like a kiss of death for how stuff is, is. you don't see it a lot but like you know the lead actress in that movie series like cut her hair after the second one and she was wearing weird extensions or something in the second and third movies, and it just looked terrible, and the, the like, fakeness there, like, rubbed it out. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know if that's too, like, a uh, whatever. But another reason I wanted to watch it, if interested in watching it, is I watched the Summer I Turned Pretty series last summer, and if you're looking for a good- Heartfelt, comforting, vibey show. I hate that word, but It's the Summer I Turn Pretty on Amazon Prime. I really enjoyed that show. It said it set at the beach and Taylor Swift music playing and so much of the episodes and it was really good to feel a vibe from the show that like I I'm hoping this new show is because they're obviously coming from the same like authorship and i know i'm pretty sure it's set in i think i read that it's set in seoul south korea which could be interesting i'm not sure how to feel about that because it's so like weird really weird like offshoot but i guess it makes sense you can get away from all the other characters and not really have to like bring in a ton of the background characters from the original ones but maybe they'll bring up them in occasionally but it's a i i assume that's why um so kind of interested in it comes out may 18th i might watch that right away because i'm not super 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 hyped on it and she was a little bit annoying so i don't know if i really care if it's bad but it should be interesting and it's funny i was gonna say this but my sister's name is kitty you don't really see that a lot i think that I means her nickname that's not my sister's nickname though but um and next up and obviously these are all coming from the same thing is queen charlotte coming out may 4th i'm gonna i'm trying to be level about looking forward to this as not as much as like other bridgerton like regular bridgerton shows but it still seems interesting to me so got, yeah. and i know they ch- didn't really have done good even after like huge success of the first season of the original show so it's young charlotte young queen charlotte's marriage to king george of england sparked an epic love story and transformed high society in this bridgerton universe prequel is a description from the youtube page and i would go look up the trailer i think i've actually seen part of the trailer at least on mute um i really enjoyed the first two seasons of bridgerton despite being kind of late to it i can't remember how late i was to it it might have been like at least a few weeks after like the big hype for it which is still in a good period for it I suppose and I really enjoy and I think it would be obviously still be good I'm, I enjoy man's novels that's mainly what I want read in my free time and that's kind of up my alley for this type of show and obviously Bridgerton but I'm not really into like Regency era novels I think I've read like one or two and I didn't enjoy both, so it kind of turned me off to, like, continue reading them. I really like contemporary stuff, although I love, like, Pride and Prejudice and, like, that kind of stuff. Not really a huge fan of Jane Eyre, but I enjoy it for what it is. I don't like the miniseries Prejudice. I like the, um, Karen Knightley version. Um, I don't want to say I don't like it. It's just, there's parts of it It's like, the 90s Jane Austen, like, Um, look I'm not really into there's this like very specific look of all those things from the 90s and obviously they're all like playing off of each other and it's really hard for me to like get into like the the aesthetic that there's going on but um maybe I'll watch them eventually who knows if I actually will like them but I really enjoyed the um, Pride and Prejudice, Karen Knightley movie so back to the show my initial hesitation for the show and the spin-off altogether, like Bridget Hinton and this Queen Charlotte one, was I was kind of worried about how much it would talk down to the audience, like a lot of other Chandelin shows would kind of devolve into in like super melodramatic ways that's kind of intolerable after a while. Like I love Grey's Anatomy season one. Obviously like a lot of people in the first couple of seasons are okay. They're really good. You kind of obviously fall off and you hit some misses in there, but toward like currently it's kind of like for me, it's not, not unwatchable. Sometimes, maybe you don't notice because stuff is so old from when I was actually watching the first couple seasons, you just don't notice because it you don't notice what currently they're beating over the head with. But for Bridgerton, the overall quality held really well for the first two seasons. I might even say I enjoyed the second season a little bit more than the first. It might be because of the, tr- the Different like enemies lovers trope is like something more playful you can get into and they like br- were able to like delve into the story in a way that really hinges on those tropes and makes you really enjoy them but um and like the characters are a little bit more like you didn't have to go so much into like a setup for the story, whereas you can just dive into what you're looking at and not have to worry about that sort of thing. But, um, I'm kind of hesitantly also looking forward to the show. I do that for everything because I don't want to get my hopes up about absolutely everything. Um, and I feel like it's interesting that they're not really telling you the full story, what's going to occur on the show. Um, obviously, but you already know that, like, some of the main characters are from, like, not present day, but, like, present day of the, like, actual stories, and this is, like, a limited series, like, spinoff thing, um, and, but you're meeting them in this place where, like, these aren't totally great people, like, Queen Charlotte is kind of, obviously, really hard to like in the present day storyline of Bridgerton um, what is it? Lady Danbury is different but you kind of get it but what, the one thing I'm, it, it's, um, that I'm hesitant about of it is like it's really depressing to see where the love story ends up in the present day and it, um, I wonder where the main, uh, the main conflict for the show is going to come from is where, where it's going to occur and the possibility that the show could conflict around, um, the king's eventual, like, dementia creeping in, and it, that really seems like an extremely depressing story arc for the show, and, like, not full of, like, much hope or something, but I guess you can kind of see in the present day how much she really cares for her husband, but it just really... I guess is why there's like happy endings to like romance stories, cause it kind of can like really get to that place. I suppose it's supposed to be like notebook-esque, but anyways, I'm looking forward to it. Should be interesting. Um, let's start with what I watched this week. Um, starting with At Midnight, like I said, from Paramount Paramount Plus. Um, starring Diego Benetta and I forget the woman's name. Let me look it up real quick because I know she was in, um, um, Top Gun, the new Top Gun, and I only found that out because you're looking it up. Her name is Monica Barbaro, interesting, and it's also starring notable names like Whitney Cummings, hence why Diego Bonetta was on her podcast, Anders Home, which is interesting, I feel like there's something else that was familiar in it, but I'm not entirely positive. So it was like a rom com. So, main actress, I guess her name is Sophie, um, that's what I read, I completely forgot that, who stars in, unless that's not real, I looked up on Google right now, um, I guess who stars in like Marvel, Deep, DC type movies of Oak that kind of look like Shark Boy and Lava Girl more, more low budget, and it seems to be for a comedic effect in this movie. So, the actress who stars in this movie, the lead person in the movie, is cheated on by her co-star in those, like, superhero movies and long-term boyfriend. The breakup affects her greatly because she's very codependent on their relationship, on her career and life. Um, they're, and they're going into shooting their last movie in the superhero trilogy. That's, because uh, the only one left left to complete, and the production takes place in a resort area near one or something in Mexico, and the cast is staying at that upscale resort. And the love interest, played by Diego Bonetta forget what his name is. Um, I won't look at that but it doesn't matter. Um, I'll just calm by that because I won't remember. Um, so is an upcoming manager at the resort and trying to get a good. Side of like the GM, I suppose, is who she is. And to get a management position at one of the chains in New York. Um, he's infinitely charming, Diego Banana. I've seen I think the first time I saw him was in more memorably I saw him in Pretty Little Liars when he played an interesting similar role in a way. He worked at like Spencer's club where she played tennis with her dad he worked in the kitchen i want to say and he danced with her you'll find if you watch it you'll know um but his introduction in this movie is obviously also set up for the character and the conflict later it's definitely a weird vibe that i don't really enjoy and it doesn't really come off real well in this movie like one night stand, blase about the whole thing, leaves it in really weird, like bad taste. And normally I don't really care about that. Like generally it's like a storyline because obviously it's feeding into like the movie. But it's just like weird and he doesn't really fit that role in a weird way that I don't really get, but I don't know, moving on. But one unique thing about this movie is that like a lot of the dialogue is in Spanish. Kind of like um what is that movie? Um and has the girl from, um, how to go with murder, in it, I forget what it's called, but I really enjoyed that, um, so, obviously, the two love interests start off on the wrong foot with each other, but it, like, quickly develops into, like, a relationship that, they have a lot of chemistry between the two of them, um, it's not really, like, a, a lot of memorable stuff happens between the two of them, um, as, like, getting to know each other is just, like, a lot of moving around but this weird like intermixing with this like old holly tip all the hollywood type of effect that's occurring throughout um it's kind of hard to describe but the like frame fades in on either of the Mary, um, characters together or one of them in like a telescoping fashion that you tend to see in like older movies i would think i don't really watch it done, but and i don't really get how it like plays out in the rest of the movie unless i'm just not familiar with older movies and i can't really say it worked that well it seems super out of place especially when there's like a marvel movie element to the movie like where they're like the characters are playing it seems like super contrasting things um and as you move on along with the story there's like a couple conflicts obviously which i do think work quite well because like they make understandable conflicts and they're not like super inorganic and they make sense the actress doesn't want anybody to know about the budding relationship between the two because she's still pre- pretending to be with her, her, her superhero ex who's still trying to get back with her, I think. And the second conflict kind of occurs when um, the couple is visiting Diego Banana's family in Mexico City and his his father comes in. there's really weird, like, energy between the two. And it's, like, you can tell, like, a friction is building up. And the actress is really, Sophie, is really, um, or, yeah, um, really coming to accept her feelings for him. And he doesn't like the, so Diego Banana's character doesn't like his father very much. And the tension ends up coming out, like, through Spanish. And the actress, Sophie doesn't really know Spanish so Paul, well. she like semi-knows Spanish and thinking she's more of like a touristy and kind of n- implies um, that because she's a tourist it's not really a real relationship and it kind of comes out in a weird way that I kind of believe that he thinks that she's just a tourist and not a real relationship and like even though he's doing all these things he doesn't realize that he has real feelings for her but I can't fully tell. There's kind of, like, it's kind of hard to tell, and it doesn't really do, like, a great job of telling you that. And honestly, I can't really remember how the movie ends, because it's, like, an okay rom-com, but the two end up together, and they both gain confidence in spreading their wings in their doomed careers. Um, I would recommend, purely as, like, a fairly good and well-made rom-com, it's definitely odd to me how many recognizable comedic actors there are in, like, the comedic scenes, because it's not... Obviously, the two main characters aren't, like, I don't really like silly comedies either, but they're not that type, and they have, like, background characters that are, I suppose, is meant to lift the mood, but it definitely seems like a favor as a movie, because, although J.O. Panetta is, um, producing it, produced it, not in the past, but it's interesting, because you see a lot of these, like, lower-budget rom-coms have, like, recognizable comedic actors like in Andrews Home or Whitney Cummings. I don't know if I just recognize them and other people wouldn't, but it's just, it's so odd to me when they end up in these types of movies that seem so kind of out of place, but who knows? I don't know what the script looks like, and I don't really know. But, again, available on Paramount, Paramount Plus. i give this a C+. It's not a bad gram-com. I've seen worse. And for it is. It's pretty good. The chemistry is pretty good again, and Diego Bonata. super charming. Love that. And interesting element by having some of it in Spanish, because becomes that like not understanding that she understands every sometimes certain things, and when the conflict comes about, it's because of that, because she think he thinks she doesn't understand what he's saying, or will pick that up, I suppose. Um. So um the next thing I will talk about now is another Paramount Plus like I said before the in between um movie romance drama I've been kind of avoiding this movie because I knew it was a romantic drama designed to like make you cry cuz from the poster and like I think I saw the trailer for this more recently than I knew about the movie and I tend to be a person who has to be in the right mood to see this type of movie because I really think it's a waste of my time sometimes when I can just watch like TV shows and have like sad parts and not a waste of my time. I don't want to say that. It's just, I have only so much time and it's really hard to want to watch something you know is not going to end up great and want to make you cry. And I'm a little thrown off by like Joey King being in it not for i don't know for any particular reason but maybe too due to like the oversaturation you see of her in like the kissing booth movies another one of those movies where the main actress cuts her hair and it gets infinitely worse and, and then uh, my notes i write of course i only saw the first one and never saw the other two and i'm like and the wig um because she like cuts her hair off because she was doing like Joey King was doing, like, that act, the act TV show, which is supposed to be really good, and I knew it the start beforehand, and I'm just really put off by her, like, being so... If you know what the act is, it just, like, what she plays is kind of throwing me off a little bit to, like, enjoying that more fully, but I do seem to like watching Kyle Allen and stuff, he's the main, like, love interest in the movie, um... I saw *Rosa which is a Hulu movie a while ago, which is actually pretty good. And he's actually pretty funny in his scenes because he, he plays Romeo, and real dummy sometimes. It's so funny. Um, in *West Side Story*, is something that he's not really a huge speaking portion. You do, I do love me some dance though. And he, yeah, obviously doesn't talk a lot. I don't think, and sings and stuff. But it's I love dance. Um. And the map of imperfect things on Amazon Prime, which is I think is really unique, and I recommend watching. Obviously, like a Groundhog Day sort of thing, and romance building into it. And I like the lead actress; I forget her name, but I, I like her. Um, so the movie starts off knowing right where you're going to go through, and the tragedy that's going to ensue, like literally tells you in the beginning, and you have to contend that like Skylar K- Kyle Allen is dead um i can tell that i liked it better because i actually remember their names more fully than the other one um tessa played by joey king is uh been in the movie reeling from skylar's death and she was severely injured too and experiencing dreams and day like infiltrations in a way that makes her believe that skylar is trying to communicate with her and at the same time throughout the movie you're like flashing back on the times throughout their relationship leading up to this point and the accident and the death tessa was closed off from most of the world as the movie goes along you kind of learn why and he's taking and is taking refuge and taking photos of the world and sealing herself off from others including the people she lives with um you you learn throughout the movie why why you say that because they're not, they're not her parents um tessa and skylar meet in movie theater during the showing of a french film called betty blue crazy plot if you look that up um so they kind of get to know each other because there's no subtitles and skylar knows french and translates for tessa during the movie every single time i say tessa i think of the after movies um side note nice there's an instant connection between skylar and tessa and you, as the movie moves along, you, which I want to bring that up, the instant connection is interesting to me. I thought there would be more like close offness from her end to his, but she seems to like be really into it right away. It kind of pops itself up as you go along in the movie in, into the conflict for sure. So, um. Yeah, you continue seeing Tessa and Skylar fall in love, and Tessa in the present is trying to figure out a way to communicate with the spirit Skylar. And all while dealing with like the effects of the accident, um, there's a portion of her heart was torn. And this is, I think, something that's really good about this, is it's really effectively showing you and allowing you to feel the weight of Tessa. Because the soundtrack in her scenes is like her heart struggling gives me an intense feeling like of like anxiety and you can feel like ent- getting her like grief and loss and what she's feeling and I usually feel that in a lot of ways from a lot of times from the movie but I think it's really effective because it's like part of the story and what's going on with her and I would really definitely recommend you watch which why I won't go into it super further because it's like it's kind of moving vine- like, through the story and her trying to figure out what's going on and like trying to connect with him. It's really emotional and heartbreaking and a little, in ways, is like a little bit uplifting, which I suppose is kind of, can be happening with these romantic dramas, especially like these supernatural ones. Um, eh, supernatural Um, it's effective at really making you understand why Tessa was so obsessed with connecting with Skylar. Despite you knowing the outcome, you just can't help but fall in love with them together. Um, the one thing I do think they could could have done better is build up the understanding of, um, like I said before, of Tessa's desire to let anybody in. You definitely see it a bit for her in her home life before and after the accident, but I kind of wish there was a more pro- progression of the breakdown of the barrier with Skylar. Once again, you kind of get it because it kind of leans toward the conflict of the movie and the ending. <sighs> really. Um, but let me see what grade I gave this a B. I think it's better than the rom- rom-com. Um, I would definitely recommend you watch it over it. Um, yeah. So, moving on. Alright, I'm back. I moved um, places in my apartment, so if you hear sirens out the window, it's because I'm near the window. Um, she got really uncomfortable for a second. Um, so, the next thing I was going to talk about, obviously, a number, another uh, Paramount Plus thing. Um, TV show that's relatively new. I've never heard anybody talk about it. I don't know if I'm in the right circles to hear about it exactly because it's so, um, it's on Paramount Plus and I don't know who the audience is meant to be for this at all. Anyway, um, okay. So it's called School Spirits. Um, It's my like first foray into new TV this week, as you heard. I was sort of also watching eighteen eighty three on Paramount Plus. Really didn't mind obviously. Like I said, Um, it's the main character, Maddie. I I should really look up who plays it because I recognize her and I've seen her and stuff. And she was on oh Peyton List. That's who it was. I'm um, on uh, Cobra Kai, and I like her generally. I think I've seen her other things in Cobra Kai, but mostly in Cobra Kai. So, at the beginning of the show, the main character Maddie is dead, but, um, under unknown circumstances. Um, to come, it's also like a, a comedy from off- Awesomeness TV. For like those who know, know, um, she in like the one. Can see of the show is that she's confined to her high school with a bunch of other spirits of people who died at the high school which is kind of crazy considering how many dead people are floating around here I'm like I, it's it's insane I don't know that many people who died in the high school like you'd think you'd hear about that and it seems unusually high for one high school that's in like they mentioned things and you see license plates it's in Wisconsin and I don't know. I don't know anybody who died in my high school. i P- a pretty big high school. Not for the state, but generally. Um, but granted, most people did not die in the same decade. And I'm wondering if it's some sort of, like, effective, the first spirits there or something like that. Who knows? And all the other spirits are in this sort of, like, support group of, of each other because they're all stuck in the same high school in, like, puberty and trying to figure out how to, like, move on to the other side, apparently. And at first, for, like, good half of, like, the beginning, or good half of the show, of the first season, Maddie doesn't really pay them much mind. Um, she's more obsessed with trying to figure out how she died and, like, contacting her friends and the relatives and watching them and seeing them go through trying to figure out, because she's missing, she's also she she thinks she's dead, and that because she's a spirit, and her body is missing, and nobody in they're trying to also figure out who killed her in like real life. And according to like the, the other spirits, it's kind of unusual to not know how you die, because all of the rest of them remember what happened, and some real crazy stuff for the how the other ones die. And as the show slowly progresses, you actually figure out. She figure, Maddie figures out she can actually speak to one of her best friends that's still alive only in the places where people died which is insane again how people died there and all over the place so she has two best friends a guy who, who she can eventually talk to and a girl I don't know a ton about her I don't think or whatever it was is not that memorable and she had a boyfriend this guy, I've seen before, this actor, I think I was watching the new spinoff of Degrassi that was on Netflix for a couple seasons. I think I've seen him from that, and he just, I don't know, he it, it just seems, it, it's super striking looking, you can recognize him, It's an all super forgettable face, interesting. And her boyfriend, she finds out her boyfriend was cheating on her, which is so interesting, because I wish they gave more backstory on like how that all happened, but maybe that's for the future. And he stole her phone on the day that she died. And you can like see that go along like, pretty early on. Her mother, uh, Maddie's mother, is pretty heavily dependent on her daughter before her death. You slowly learn because she's an alcoholic who stays home. But there and as like as you continue out throughout their story. There was a lot of suspicious characters, including the boyfriend who's cheating on her, the girl that she was—he was cheating with—the mother, and which is so interesting about this show is that like, oh, I just totally skipped along. Shoot, mm. uh, okay. As you skip along, the, like, where was I? Sorry ever be suspicious, and as you go along, which is really interesting about the show, they don't rule anybody out in any real significant way, which you kind of would think it's like a mystery, like death show, you think you'd go along and like introduce people as suspects maybe you rule somebody out, and they become suspicious later on for other reasons, but like they don't rule them out ever. Like sometimes they begin to trust them for certain reasons, and you still think there may be like involvement there. And, as I said, I'm sure, pretty sure this is meant to be, like, a comedy, and I fully don't can't tell because it, it, they're trying to balance, like, these darker elements of murder with, like, a lot of the characters, with, like, some of the sillier characters that are mostly, like, the spirits that she's also, like, roaming the school with. A lot of them, they're super silly and super stereotypical because you don't really learn a to ton about them until later, and especially the way they died crazy and I just don't understand how the school wasn't torn down already there are so many deaths like there's at least like 12 like one where it's like six people in the marching band died in when the bus crashed one was killed by like a guidance counselor another one on the football field during the homecoming game um there is one teacher that's a recognizable actor you may know, I don't know, I watched a lot of CW stuff and he popped up in the, that kind of stuff, um, and he seems to be the ones that, like, guiding them all through this process to try to, like, get them to the other side, because apparently there's one ghost who's been able to do it, and they keep mentioning her throughout the show, and you don't tell, know until later, it's like, they keep mentioning this person, but you never see her, and you kind of get why later. But I, I still don't understand what the tone of the show is going for, and like what kind of audience it desires. Like it's very sexual in some circumstances, and like the jokes it's made, and like what it does. But it's also like kind of immature in a lot of other ways. Like when she was first becoming a ghost, she goes in with one of the other characters in the, in the male locker room in the showers so with a bunch of naked guys, which is so crazy, and you can a little bit, not a ton, but, like, it seems both for young teenagers and, like, I don't know, it's, I don't, I can't really tell. And, and, but with, what's interesting is, with the wide group of spirits, I would have kind of expected a more of an ensemble show, but the main character seems to be very separated from the spirits for, like, most of it, you don't really get to know the backstory or, see backstory of all the other characters which you assume maybe have happened but maybe it's sort of like the mystery they're holding on to for later because they've already gotten um mystery of how she died the main character Maddie died so like I said and before Maddie can only can talk to her one real life best friend who's like kind of looks crazy because he's um seems to be talking to like nobody sometimes because he always is like fake having a phone call and She's like the only spirit that can talk to anybody in the real world, and she's keeping it from all the other spirits. Um, I'm kind of thinking that Best Friend is kind of a long-term love interest on the show. I don't really see anything there, but who knows, they're not really developing in that way and they have other mysteries to hold on to. And what's weird, I don't know if, it'd be, if I just noticed this and I thought it was weird, they have the same haircuts, almost identical, which is so weird. Because um, I kind of play on like, I think the girl best friend being obsessed with her or something like that. I don't remember. I um, know, uh, but I also have like a really and like as as I'm going through this and like nobody else in the school notices the spirits or knows they're there because they can't speak to them. must- I'm thinking, like, when shooting this, it must be really hard to, like, not react when people are doing things, like, in front of you, like, they're really doing, like, these silly outlandish things to, like, actual people who are alive, and it's just- it's so interesting to me how that stuff, like, works out, obviously, it must have been a lot of, like, breaking and stuff, um, um, but- As you get along to, like, the last episodes of the season, it it really gets good and really pulls you into the mystery of the show and, like, wanting to know more and really delving into answering some questions and getting to the point. And I must say, it's an incredibly easy show to watch compared to, like, other shows that I've, I've tried to watch. This isn't, like, 40 minutes, obviously an hour long, like, typical programming. But it's so infinitely easy to watch. I think I got through it in like one afternoon, like a Sunday afternoon. No, I got it through in a couple days, at least. I but I like shot right through it. It was of my least busy weeks. I had like regular work, but the ending is actually super interesting and like really makes you want to know more of the future of what's going on in the actual show. And they built it to a place where like. Did not expect this, or I kind of was spoiled in a little bit, but I'm not entirely sure. Because I scroll on um, Tumblr because I like seeing GIFs of stuff and it kind of gives you like spoilers or stuff without having to watch videos. Um. And building on top of the mystery f- from the um, rest of the show and giving you some answers in the end, which and plays out in really interesting ways. And, honestly, I would really recommend, if you don't watch the first two movies, which were kind of, like, hit or miss, you can watch them in an hour, obviously. I'd really recommend this one. I'm giving this one, like, a B-, minus because the first, like, few episodes are, like, giving you nothing, kind of point, seem pointless, and, like, seem so, like, disjointed and weird, but for the rest of the show, and, like, what's trying- it's trying- you thought it was trying to do, like, do an ensemble comedy- with ghosts and like, also figuring that out. But I like how there is a separation. So you're not dealing with the intense silliness for sure. So, anyways, I uh, B minus. I would definitely recommend it. But moving on to probably what I'm least excited for and most like critically heavy thing. Even though I have looked on, like Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and it's super hard to find any of these those like super heavy, like, critically acclaimed shows talk about the first spinoff of Yellowstone called 1883, taking place 1883. Because I guess Yellowstone was, like, really talked about because a lot of people were watching it and of like, critics and people who talk about television on podcasts really talked about it all that much until the later seasons and then they like, quickly, I, maybe turned on it i don't really i haven't really digested that um so eighteen eighty three on paramount plus it's funny one like side note on this paramount plus so writes rights the original show like yellowstone to peacock so it's all available on peacock and they part of the impetus I making mean, you know, all these spin-offs because it's so incredibly popular, and people really enjoy it, and they don't own, the, like, the streaming rights to any of it, and Peacock gets all of it, but these are, re- like, these shows are really high budget, and good to look at so far, like, the scenescape in Yellowstone is really beautiful, and, like, level actors is pretty good, too, like, I of like super popular super recently but I suppose it's like up to his um cachet I suppose but anyways and more and more spinoffs of that show but and I like that it's like not spinoff characters but like spinoff into the world and not necessarily contemporary times show like so like I said I saw the first few seasons I do not know where I dropped off um although I do have one thing I will recommend is the TV Time app. If you watch as much TV as I do, and like stop and start stuff all the time, I definitely recommend the TV Time app. I really enjoy it. It's interesting way of like gamifying your watching experience and knowing where you left off. Because sometimes you're not quite sure because like I don't know, you, it, you like go back and watch some different episodes and you don't know where you are. But you can like add um, like TV shows you want to watch, and if and it will tell dates when it's next airing in the future and give you notifications, that's not always perfect. It doesn't f- format to like the US, so it, it won't give you notifications in the same way that's um, when you when US air dates are available or even correct or even for like the time zone you're in. Because that will be off too, but I don't really. It doesn't really matter that because I don't really watch live television the same way. It more works for like streaming shows and when stuff becomes available. Although that can be a little bit delayed because like when I was watching Daily Jones in the Six, that was the game was come out after midnight on Fridays, whereas Amazon Prime stuff tends to come out on like 7 p.m. the Thursday before to do like more live primetime viewing experience. Anyways. This way, I can like control where I'm looking at and look look stuff in the past and know what I've watched recently without having to like always write stuff down, and it'll like tell me when like new seasons of stuff is out when I don't hear about it ever because obviously, like I said, podcasts only talk about the same stuff all the time, and it's hard to find stuff all the time without like Google alerts or something, but um. And you also can track movies in here. Like I said, I watch watch way less movies and I'm trying to get more into it. But, also has, like, the upcoming feature and stuff like that. And, like, you should be able to, like, click on stuff and see where stuff is airing on it. Or, like, where it's available. It's not always super accurate. And not always, like, what's you subscription versus, like, paying something for it. Because, like... They opened up 1883. The first thing that comes out is Amazon Prime Video. I'm sure you have to pay for it or subscribe to Paramount Plus, iTunes. I only think you can um, buy episodes. I don't know about Microsoft movies and TV. I don't venture into that. Then um, there's Paramount Plus, and um, where you can obviously watch it most recently, like there's Redbox. I don't know. I've seen one before in my old apartment building don't see them very often, weird to have DVDs of, the, of a TV show, although it is limited series, so, Roku, Vudu, Xfinity Stream, I think a lot of these are, you have to just have the Paramount Plus subscription or Paramount Network or whatever, but, um, and then it, like, gives you synopsis. simp, I can't, synthesis, I can't say the other word right now, I know how to say it, um, but, and it gives you, like, who the cast is, like, ratings, going through the episodes and reviews on here, they're not always, I don't really look at the reviews, similar stuff and you're looking for something to watch um how many people like that show like if it's popular well known stuff like that and like if it's coming back or not and it like pop up new episodes when new episodes are available not necessarily region specific I guess it's just good to know cause like I was trying to watch um I would say I'm avoiding what <laughs> talking about this right now it's not super enjoyable um watching um love me it's an Australian show. How do I say this? It's an Australian formatting of a Swedish show. And I've seen a ton of the Swedish show. I'm not super into it. But I really liked how the Australian was, like, changing it up. And I was really looking forward to the second season. And, like, the TV Time app notified me when it was airing in Australia. So, like not helpful to me. Obviously, I don't know why streamers don't do this with different regions, release it all the same play- time in the same places. So, like, how are you getting rid of pirating, or deterring pirating, if you don't release it all the same time in the same places, different places? Like, like a Netflix would do if they have, like, global availability to, to, like, new properties. But, anyways, really looking forward to it. I had to keep searching online to find the U.S. air date, because it was the first season came out on Hulu, and I was and I think I saw that second season was coming out on Hulu too. But it was like three weeks later, and mm, the TV Tim app did not help me with that. Anyways, um, side note: first season I really liked and so love me. I th- I hope they're doing more seasons of it because season two is good in different aspects. It made me like other characters that I sort of liked in the beginning, and I suppose it resolved the season in a way that made sense to like try to grow a character without going into like a fallback state. I just hope there's gonna be another season to give more full growth. Anyways, I don't know, the, fir- the first show ended after two seasons. And, you know, uh, I won't say more. Um, so, I don't know, I know 1883. Back to that. I know I read that some of there's flashbacks in the actual Yellowstone show to the characters that are in this show, but I do not know if you have to know that to understand this show. I certainly didn't. And it seems fine so far. And what's inter- really crazy to me about this Paramount Plus stuff is it's this produced by MTV, which has such a Resurgence in producing stuff, even though the stuff on their actual channels kind of fallen off, and all they do is like reality television now. And they just sell it to outside studios, and like their most popular stuff that's produced by MTV. Is not on MTV like Yellowstone, also produced by MTV, which is obviously part of Paramount, but I don't know if it's obvious. I don't. That was stupid, but it makes some sense why it's on that platform. Um, and Emily in Paris is produced by MTV, obviously wildly different things, but, it, like, there's so much production value in each thing that it's so crazy to me that it's, um, produced by MTV and why it would be under that banner, why not more under, like, a Paramount banner that would give it more cachet rather than just being MTV, because it's known for different things, like, like, Teen Wolf and stuff like Teen Wolf and stuff like that, so, anyways, opening up, um, you meet Elsa, um, as we were beginning um, very much looks like a cross between Florence Pugh and Jennifer Lawrence, like, there's such a mixing there that I'm like, oh my god, this is so crazy how much she looks like them and has, like, a Kentucky accent which kind of fits with, like, Lawrence, Jennifer Lawrence, um, or I don't know if she's from, where she's from, um, but the entire first scene of this, of the, um, of the series get to why it's limited, you can totally tell, and you can feel is like what you I think is gonna be felt through the whole thing is like an existential essential dread for what's gonna happen because so many people are dying. And even like flashing back to where the story begins, you see people dying and like dreadful things happening. And um obviously the characters are like constantly noting and like Worrying about her, wondering, and like her wandering away from the family throughout the whole thing, because she is so and she definitely looks independent and is very much like a um the Beth character from the current show. You like kind of see like the family bloodlines trickling down, even though I don't know who's related to who in this show. I'm obviously, like more like in the family generally thing because she's a Dutton. You, I think it's kind of obvious. I don't know if I looked this up beforehand, but you kind of get the sense of that. Plus, it's the Yellowstone spinoff, um, and I don't know if it's similar sense of despair that you see on Yellowstone, um, you feel in this show, but I suppose it's like the old west sort of thing that's going on in the show, and the it's in eighteen eighty three, um, and like stuff never seems to be going great, and always, as obstacles, obviously, television you have to tell a story, obstacles for the Dutton family even in the first episode, but it just felt more dark, I suppose, because it's in the past, like I said, um, and I guess it's, it's a good thing that we're not telling the same stories over and over, you're trying, and I think the impetus story, if I'm thinking right, is about the Duttons' move from the eastern portion of the United States West and how they start founding the ranch that currently exists, I'm assuming so, um, like I said, you can tell these other daughters in Yellowstone in 1883 are similar, and they're, uh, like, headstrong, they're independent, blondish. And they are, like, you kind of, people really love Beth, I think, and her character and stuff that she goes through. And you kind of get why they wanted to incorporate it in the old story, because it's something that really works in, in the present story. And, um... Yeah, getting to the ranch and where they live for generations, um, and but it really starts to show like the toughness and the moral like, beauty, ang- ambiguity that has lived in generations in the family, and how it's like, it's more of like how they live is sort of like a story for survival, and stuff and like that. Honestly, it's one of those shows that's like, this is meant to be like good. Television, like produced like that, and like the scenery and everything going on, and the people and the dress and like the acting is super serious. Anyways, so episode one, it's a journey to bring the existing Dutton Ranch back uh, family back together. Um, introduction to Tim McGraw's character, which is wild to me that the two like ma- the matriarch and the patriarch of the family are. Played by Tim McGraw in um, Vigil. I haven't seen a lot with Tim McGraw in it. Um, I know he was in Friday Night Lights, and, but I knew him more as like an artist, which most people do, like musical artists. Um, he has a lot- so Tim McGraw's character- I don't know his name at this point- a lot of moral and ambiguity. It's like the Patriarch of the family in the present day. Um, he seems to, at first, be like traveling alone, and it doesn't really seem like he, um... And it doesn't really seem to be comporting to how he was acting when his family was around him. Which is really interesting, which I, spo- so, so, so I suppose ties back into like the current day. And it's about their journey together further west. Um... You don't really know why they're moving west. I think you kind of get a sense, but I think you get more of that in the first- being in the first second episode. I haven't finished that, so I'm not really gonna delve into that. I don't know if there's really gonna be much to talk about continuing. I might fall off of this show, but... It's something to watch. It's a limited series that I can check off the list of watching. So then there's- you also introduced to Sam Elliott's character. Um, he's a Pinkerton agent. When you meet him in the show, his wife and child had just died from cholera, and he sets his house on fire and then tries to kill himself, um, and then he's just interrupted and decides not to, and then's like, moving west along with, um, people who've hired him, a bunch of Germans, you know, moving west this is currently, like, the beginning of it's in Texas, and they're moving uh, a group of Germans to the west. And you can tell a lot of the is coming from, like, the Germans are completely unprepared for their new lives, and only once one of them speaks English. They don't have, like, any of the equipment they need. They're not prepared for, like, the rough terrain, which isn't true to me, because I'm moving west so much, and they don't really know what they're doing, which is so weird. And Tim McGraw's character, a Dutton, you I don't know if it's exactly clear, but in Sam Elliott's character, don't know what that is, are brought together to join forces to move, join forces to move the Germans um, west under increasing, increasingly possible circumstances. Before the journey begins, um, they have like no equipment that they don't need. They don't have skills. They don't have horses, and. And they have extreme difficulty of getting what is needed from them for this. And it just seems to be about getting supplies, moving them west, and just under all those circumstances. And I'm going to say, this show is well made. You can totally see that. It's not the typical kind of thing I would normally ever watch. But it's so good. You can kind of like throw it on. It's not one of those shows like school spirits. But it's just like... Easy to watch all the way through. I suppose this will be, like, a continuing thing, because, what has it been, like, four or five days, three or four days since I've watched this sh- first episode, and I'm only halfway through the second. It's just, it's the it's just existential dread you feel in the show is just hard to get through a lot of the time, On a lot of shows that I've watched, and it's kind of a de- deterrent from me watching a lot of other, like, well-known shows, for sure. Um... Well, that's it. My thoughts on it. I would give it like a, I don't know how to rate this on a scale. I want to say it's like a C plus. Like it's good acting. The story is okay. I don't know if I was ever really interested in Yellowstone. It's just was a really good show that was kind of easy to watch and you wanted to know what was going on because it's like talked about by everybody. Which is I suppose why which is really interesting. Everybody was talking about it, but like no like podcasts that talk about television or who are critics. Almost none of them seem to be talking about the show, but there seem to be like a lot of podcasts from the same people about the show. Interesting. Yes. So what I'm gonna tell at this point of the show I might talk about what I might watch na- this coming week for the next episode. Um Queen Charlotte obviously is coming out this week. I will probably watch it. I'm since I'm not too like overhyped to watch it. I think I'm gonna be, like a good place to watch it, and not be super disappointed. But I think I might cry watching it, which has not happened in the last few seasons. Which is like another note. When people say they cry a lot to stuff, I don't cry a ton to a lot of like sad movies. Maybe I'm just not watching the great right, right stuff. But people seem to like be like constantly crying to some stuff, and I don't just- I don't get it, I don't- maybe I'm- but I'm also the type of person who doesn't really laugh out loud to comedies, so it's kind of- maybe it's just so disconnected what's happening sometimes, like the in-between got me to cry near the end. Anyways, so Queen Charlotte seems interesting. I've also seen that new Carrie Russell show. Sorry, I forgot her last name for a second. The Diplomat that came out on Netflix. I'm, like, super low energy on that show. I don't know if I have any interest in watching it. Like, a ge- I liked the first season or two of The Americans. I know it's a really good show. I just, again, like, 1883, it, that sort of stuff is kind of hard for me to get through a lot of the times. Um, what else is interesting? Let me open up my Netflix to actually look at this. Oh, actually... St. X on Hulu, looks kind of good, kind of eh, it's about this girl who was missing in like a, I don't want to say, Caribbean island, and also like fast forwarding the present day of trying to, her sister trying to figure out what happened to her, the like Caribbean island thing sort of gives you like a Natalie Holloway sort of thing going on with it, but I, apparently it's a book, I've never heard of it, it looks super interesting, and the actress. One's Tessa or I think. I'm not entirely sure. But let's see. Let me pull up my Netflix queue to see if anything else looks interesting this week. <laughs> oh, I've been rewatching some community while I'm doing the other stuff this week. I must say. Extremely funny. I love when they do, like, homages to, like, other, like, um, programming types like i would just rewatched the episode where they did like an homage to like <laughs> law and order type shows so funny and like when they really get into those sort of episodes they're like my favorite Like obviously P- P- paintball one's really good documentary ones are insane and like funny the one where they do like a ken Burns style documentary that leads pleads in from the one before which is so unexpected so funny and so That's interesting the... oops sorry Um, let's see what it's in the top ten of T V shows. Firefly Lane. That's interesting. That it's on top ten. Never seen it. I don't really know if I would be watching that. I didn't see the it's only two seasons, maybe be easy to get through eventually. Sweet Tooth. I don't really know what to think about it. Not really interested in it. The nurse. Not it's a kind of like the good nurse, I suppose. Like a nurse is killing I don't really care, but, sorry I skipped over the diplomat, obviously I talked about maybe watching that, but it just seems to like, in between highbrow and other things. The Night Agent. If you haven't seen The Night Agent, watch it, I really enjoyed it. It is doing so well, which is kind of unexpected, I've kind of figured it would fly under the radar, but it's. I think it's really well done. The surprising twists and turns, I would have more to talk about it if I were like, on top of it. Like, watching it currently. I'm just not. Working Moms, never heard of what that shit's about, Better Call Saul. I think I tried to start Breaking Bad, didn't get fully through the first episode. I might watch it eventually, who knows. Beef, could not get through the first episode. I do not like conflict like that. It's super uncomfortable to watch. The King of Collectibles, don't care, I don't really know. Oh, I watched the new John Mulaney PBJ special. I thought it was really funny. I was really worried that it would be current topic based because I kind of hate that in comedy. But I like that it was about and you know, it was about his stay in rehab and his addiction and intervention and stuff like that. Extremely enjoyable to watch. I normally can't get through a full comedy special in one sitting, but this is the one I definitely could. I don't. I'm not really into comedy specials. Let's see what's on movies. Um. I don't think that's gonna come up for me because I think they're usually right on top of each other. On um, my Netflix cute? I kinda hate that about Netflix main page. Ah, it's on the very bottom. A.K.A. I don't know what that's about. I don't know. I wanna dance with somebody? Hmm, maybe. I don't, like I said, not really in the movies like I am in the other stuff. Movies, and into TV shows. Tourist Guide to Love, Rachel Lee Cook, Romance kind of looks like it has Ben Feldman, not Ben Feldman, yeah it kind of looks like it has Ben Feldman in it, doesn't? It? Obviously not who she's going to end up if it's, she's a... Yeah, it does. Interesting. I don't know if I like the rom-com she's in with Netflix, on Netflix. Netflix rom-coms are super easy your hit or miss if there's the Lorax don't really care about, anime movies. Sing To, Minions, Rise of Gru, Matilda, the original one. I've heard the musical is really good and really wacky, but who knows. Murder Mystery 2, I saw the first one. Semi-enjoyable, my watch. Sorry, I'm drowning on. There's some more comedies, Shrek and Shark don't really care about those. So, yeah. Queen Charlotte's mainly on my list. I might come up with other stuff, but yeah. And so you everybody for listening if anybody is listening obviously this is just way for me to be productive with my week and i will see you next week with what i'm watching you listen to julie watches television or you listen to julie loves television thank you